welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again. Uh, It's lovely to have people visiting here for the first time. Um, I'm Father Morgan Reed, and I'm the vicar here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. We're a mission of the Diocese of the Mid-Atlantic. And let me pray for us as we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, whose only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, ascended into heaven. May our hearts and minds also there ascend, and with him continually dwell. Who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, this is the Sunday after the Ascension. The Feast of the the Ascension happened on Thursday this last week. It's where we celebrate Christ, um, not only in his resurrection, but after his resurrection when he ascended on high. Thinking much about Jesus' reign as king over all things. Because he ascended, he's also king. And because he reigns as king, our, our hope is fixed where Jesus is. Amidst all the shifting uh, circumstances around us and the things that we consider to be successes and failures. And as I was thinking about Jesus' ascension to being, to being king over the cosmos, I had this question in my, uh, in my heart for you this week. And it's kind of an overwhelming question. And the question is, how did your week go? How was this week for you? And I imagine your mind starting to race through all the things that were happening. I know from knowing so many of you, this was an exhausting week. And on a national level, we're confronted with now multiple mass shootings over the last few weeks. Um, And perhaps, like me, you found yourself on Ascension Day thinking, okay, Jesus, you are king. And so also, how long are these things going to keep going? Um, We're still anxious, some of us, about catching COVID. And the pandemic's not completely over. Uh, A lot of people in this congregation have already had it, even though a lot of you have been boosted and vaccinated. and, And maybe if you're not fearful about getting COVID, you're fearful about getting exposed and then having to isolate and throwing five days up into the air. Um, And, you know, uh, I even had one meeting this week that I had to cancel because the person had COVID this week as well. So it's everywhere, right? And that's always in our our, uh, sphere of reality. And I know that um, for many of you, there was just a lot going on this week with work, you know, whether it was the crunch because of the vacation weekend um, or just balancing your kids' needs with the needs of the job that you're holding. And just maybe you had extra responsibility on your plate this week with work. And amidst all those things, there there is a struggle to keep God's priorities amidst all the voices that are around us, amidst all the competing uh, priorities that are going to vie for our time. And so if you've come this morning to what feels like the tail end of a really long week, Um, a week of stress and anxiety, then you've done pretty well. This is actually the beginning of the week in the Christian calendar. And so what you're doing this morning is you are coming to start your week 
in, in formation and worship. To, to come this morning and be here to be formed amidst God's family and worship is a great beginning to prioritizing your week well. And so much of my own stress comes from this deep-seated sense that I need to be responsible for all the outcomes of the things that I'm doing. And, and that's always been the case for me. I don't know how many of you struggle with that as well, but I feel this deep responsibility that not only am I responsible for the work I do, but the outcomes of that work. And I, I was remembering back to a funny story back when I was in high school, you know, just a few years ago. Um, and when I was in high school, there was this funny moment for me that is strangely formative where I was stressed out about very high school things. Um, I was probably my junior or senior year, and so I was, I was in charge of our Christian club at that point, which meant I was teaching weekly in a high school setting, um, even though I really had no training in how to do that, which made it overwhelming, but also I probably had no business teaching other people at that point either. I probably would look back on some of those lessons and weep a little bit for the heresy I probably spoke. Um, but God is gracious, isn't he? So I was overwhelmed with things like schoolwork at the time or thinking about college. And I'm sure there were other things that were stressing me out at the time that I can't remember right now. But whatever it was, a dear friend picked up on my anxiety and my stress. And in her wisdom, she looked at me and said, Hey, Morgan, come with me. And I was like, where are we going? She didn't tell me where we were going only just to go with her wherever she was going to take me. We went past the swing of classrooms. We went past where all the other kids were hanging out during lunchtime. And she led me out to the softball fields. And when we got into left field in the softball fields, she said, sit down. And I said, okay. It was a nice and warm and sunny day. So I sat down in the grass. And then she looked at me and she said, now lie down and just look up at the sky, very forcefully. And so I, I, I listened. Um, I didn't know what she was getting at, but I felt like it was probably wise to listen to this friend. So I, I laid down on my back, and I just looked up at the clouds. And then she said, okay, until the bell rings, which is probably another 15, 20 minutes, she said, I want you to just lay on the ground, be quiet, and look up at the clouds. It was really awkward. <laughs> and it was also really powerful and formative for me. Um, Ashley's heard me tell that story a few times, and it's, it's kind of a silly story, but it was strangely formative for me. Um, it surprises me, actually, how memorable that weird moment was. And I think the reason why it was so powerful is that looking up for the clouds at me, at this point I was a Christian, and it, what it made me do is realize that God, God moves the earth without my help. God makes the seasons change without my help. Nature goes through its cycles without my help. There's nothing I can really do to change anything. And so I, I started to take comfort in the awkwardness of that silent moment looking up at the clouds when I was really doing nothing because I realized, even when I'm doing nothing, God is still at work. And I think I could even go a step further and say... It's not even that I was doing nothing, but actually what I was doing was the act of being still and, and trusting that God is the one who reigns over all things. It was a really important lesson for me. And that's why even now, 
part of my own rhythm or rule of life is that on, on Mondays I, I intentionally put myself in places where I have to stop and I have to meditate on physical places where I'm clearly not in control, um, but where God is. And I don't just mean like moments like this week um, where I busted my ankle, which is why I'm wearing flip-flops this morning. Um, but that moment did actually remind me that I'm not in charge. Um, I'll tell you more about that story over coffee. But instead, instead of a busted ankle, these places where on a regular basis I'm near the creek near our house and water is flowing or I'm in a big open meadow and I'm watching birds just go from wildflower to wildflower. I go to the wetlands and I can see snakes and uh, frogs and muskrats and things doing what they do. And I really don't have any control over this. It's um, somewhere where there's not a lot of clearly man-made structure. Those places remind me that Jesus is king. It's somewhere where I can look at and know that God's in control. There's really not much I can do to change anything that's there. And it's good to know then that that Christ is the one who not only holds our, our labors in his hands, but he's also the one that holds the outcome of our labors in his hands. It's a good reminder for me. In our passage this morning, St. Paul gives thanks. And he gives thanks for these believers in Ephesus who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love for all the saints. And and it gives us insight into the ways that he prays for them. And he assures us that God is going to give his people growth through the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and through the power that seated Christ on high. The ascension of Jesus, I think, informs our views of what church growth looks like. Growth happens when we progress in the ability to love the things that God loves. To see the things the way that God sees them. Loving what God loves is this progression that springs from a life that's continually learning over and over, more and more, to submit itself to Christ as our reigning Lord. And it's the foundation of our joy and our hope. So that we're not enslaved to what the prayer book calls the swift and varied changes and chances of this world. But church growth then is our greater connection to the rule and the reign of Jesus as king. Which produces in us wisdom from the Holy Spirit and insight from the Holy Spirit. And it results in greater faith in the Lord. And it results in greater love towards all the saints. So in this letter, St. Paul says that the cause of the unceasing thanks that he has, that he gives to God, is the reputation of this church's faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the love that they have for all the saints. There's a church father who in a poem talks about uh, a bird having two wings. And those two wings of, of the Christian faith are faith and love. A bird can't fly with one wing. You can't fly with just faith. You can't fly with just love. You need both of them. And, and the church can't grow then into the full measure of Christ without those two things. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Love for all the saints. So what he does is he spends time giving thanks to God for this church's faith and love. I think that encourages me in my own prayer life. Uh, I don't give enough thanks to God for other people. Uh, or, you know, think of what I'm grateful for about them. But I wonder if, you know, giving God thanks for the faith and love of others, how formative that would be and how it would impact our view of Jesus as King. And how it would define success for us. Uh, when we think about discipleship or being in the communion of the saints. 
St. Paul also includes a prayer of supplication for the church. So he's asking God for something. He asks that the Heavenly Father would give them, from the Holy Spirit, spiritual insight and the ability to see the hidden things of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those things are rooted in the ascension of Jesus. And one of the other reasons that the ascension of Jesus is so important in the life of the church is that when Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit descends. And we're going to celebrate that next Sunday at Pentecost when um, our canon for church planting is actually going to be with us and he'll be preaching uh, next week. So I'm excited for that. But just a few chapters later, St. Paul, he's, he's going to say that when Jesus ascended on high, he took captivity captive. And then he gave gifts to his people. And what are those gifts? Those gifts um, would be that some are given as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus ascends so that the Spirit descends. As many of you know, and some of you may not, I'm on the Bishop's Nomination Committee for vetting potential candidates that are going to be voted on as the next bishop of our diocese. And one of the things that I have really enjoyed in being a part of that process is getting to know uh, the different nominees and seeing how each of them has uh, lived life as, as a rector. And I don't just mean the way that they've grown a church numerically, although that's true. The, way, the things that I've really enjoyed are watching how they take care of their own health and their family. Uh, they're really healthy people. And the ways that they've created systems of care for their congregation, the ways that they have developed leaders, and the ways that they, in, in reality, have, have equipped their churches to do the work of ministry. And so once one of them is going to be voted on uh, by, the, uh, by the nominating body in our diocese that will vote on them, they are no longer going to be a rector in whatever parish they were at. But they're going to become bishop over our diocese. So the scale of their ministry is going to increase. And one of the things that I'm excited to see is how one of those nominees uh, is going to take uh, the, the ways that they've been gifted by God. And then they're going to take that ministry, elevate it, and have a, a larger scale to equip the, the, the diocese for the work of the ministry in their own unique way. Greater sphere of influence also provides greater equipment for individual churches, congregations. And I think there's a helpful parallel when we think about that kind of ascendancy and its impact on ministry. There's this parallel with thinking of the ascension of Jesus. Ascendancy equals greater impact. And so the Holy Spirit, remember he had rested on Jesus. As Jesus went about proclaiming the kingdom, he was healing people, raising people from the dead. And then when Jesus ascends on high and he's enthroned as king over all the cosmos. And when he went, he didn't leave us orphans, but he sent the spirit. That same spirit who was at work in the person of Jesus was given by the father through the son to us who believe and are baptized into Christ, to the body of Christ. It democratizes that work of the spirit to a body of people who are were, uh, the body of which Christ is head. Christ's ascension means that continuing the work of his kingdom is done by sending that same spirit, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit who gives wisdom, who gives insight into spiritual realities amidst a world who can't see them. It's given to us who can look 
past surf, surface level circumstances into a life of deeper realities um, in the relationships that we have and in the circumstances that we come to. And that growth happens when we couch our lives in prayer and we begin to discern those ways that our thoughts and our patterns and our behaviors, even our family systems, relate to those deeper systems that are present in the patterns of the world. And then it continues as we discern what those patterns are and how they contrast with the values of God's kingdom, where Jesus is reigning as king. In verses 20 through 23, it says that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He was seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places. And that imagery of ascension has some parallels in the Old Testament when you look at enthronement psalms, like Psalm 2 or Psalm 110. In those kinds of psalms, God is putting uh, his enemies under the feet of his chosen king. And that action of putting the enemies under the king's feet is the precursor to the joy of God's people. And so it says in verse 21 that Jesus was enthroned far above every single rule and authority and power and dominion and above everything else that's named in this age and in the age to come. Just in case I forgot something, (laughs) everything that is in this age and in the age to come, there is nothing that is outside the rule and reign of Jesus. Jesus is king of the universe. He's the head of the church which is his body, that now shares in that dominion and rule. And so love and faith are intimately uh, acquainted with the kingship of Jesus. The community's faith in the Lord and the love that they have for others in the body of Christ comes from a life that is growing in the Holy Spirit, who gives both spiritual insight and reveals the things of God that are hidden from the world, which is kind of like that love that we we read um, from the Gospel of John today in John 17. That love that unites them like Jesus is united to the Father, uh, which was not on the keynote, my apologies, but it's what we read today. And and this morning, I'm excited um, for something specific. I'm excited that we get to see somebody who is at the very beginning of this process. Um, We're going to support Elena this morning in her life with Christ, which begins today in her baptism. Her parents... And her godparents are going to make promises to her uh, with regards to supporting her in her new life in Christ. And then you and I, who are here present this morning, and those uh, who are part of the church normally, we are all going to commit to supporting this little one in her life in Jesus. Today we're praying that by being baptized with water, Elena is going to be filled with the Spirit, born again, and received into the church as a living member of the body of Christ. And God in his mercy and his grace and in his love is going to give to her that which by nature she cannot have. And it reminds us that we are, of what we all have received in baptism, which is the entrance into the body of Christ, where God gives us that which by nature we cannot have. To do exactly what St. Paul prays for, to grow in that experience of the Holy Spirit, who reveals to us hidden mysteries and insights um, into the realm of God. Because Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit's given. And as the body of Christ, you and I are going to look forward to that day where we experience the same glory that Jesus himself has entered into. And when Jesus ascended, I'm sure that there was a moment for the disciples where they felt abandonment. Where they felt like, 
well, all those things he told us, you know, what are we supposed to do now? But it was that abandonment that was the process of God conquering all of his enemies. And it was paving the way for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes I think there's a, a, a mental disconnect when we see the brokenness of humanity around us and we wonder how it is that Jesus is actually king, that experience of abandonment. But it's those places where we don't yet see Jesus' kingship that we can be reminded that he's not actually absent, that this is paving the way for God's restora- restoration and renewal. Because Jesus reigns, the Spirit fills his body, the church. And faith and love are the evidence now that Jesus is reigning as you and I are growing in divine insight and in the mysteries of God. So as we close this morning, I'm going to offer this as a prayer. This is a a few stanzas of an ascension tide hymn, very good Anglican word, uh, from the 19th century that I, I found really encouraging as I was preparing this week. So I'm going to read these stanzas as a prayer for you. He has raised our human nature on the clouds to God's right hand. There we sit in heavenly places. There with him in glory stand. Jesus reigns adored by angels. Man with God is on the throne. Mighty Lord in thine ascension, we by faith behold our own. Lift us up from earth to heaven. Give us wings of faith and love. Gales of holy aspirations, wafting us to realms above. That with hearts and minds uplifted, we with Christ our Lord may dwell, where he sits enthroned in glory in his heavenly citadel. Amen.